In a world where businesses face constant change, there's one partner ready to tackle any HR challenge with you, AIMHR Solutions. We're not just any HR firm. We're your personalized problem-solving team dedicated to customizing solutions just for you. From talent management to compliance, training to on-site services, our approach is tailored to meet your unique needs. With AIMHR Solutions, you're backed by a powerhouse of professionals ready for proactive planning and immediate challenge. Learn more at aimhrsolutions.com. Welcome to Human Solutions, a show for HR professionals who love HR. I'm Pete Wright. Pay transparency is growing in popularity amongst employers and employees. For some states, it has become a legal requirement. But what exactly is pay transparency? What do you need to know? Kyle Pardo of AIM HR Solutions and Sam Larson of Associated Industries of Massachusetts join me today, and we're going to look into the crystal ball of the future of pay transparency and share what's happening at the federal level in Massachusetts and what could happen at the state levels. We'll also share some ways companies are already practicing pay transparency, how your company can get started, and the HR benefits it could bring to your organization. Kyle, Sam, welcome to Human Solutions. Thank you so much for for joining us on this conversation today. Thanks for having us. Hey, Pete, happy to be here. I, I am very much looking forward to this conversation. I feel like there's there's a lot of meat to it. And so we'll try to keep this concise and uh, to the point. Uh, I want to start with a, a, a an announcement of thanks to our listeners. This show was, uh, you know, we crafted this show uh, as a show of service to uh, our our uh, association members, uh, largely in, in Massachusetts. And what we have discovered is you people are listening from all over the world. And so to our listeners in Canada and Spain and South Korea and Australia and the United Kingdom, thank you for being here. We appreciate you. We appreciate your ears and your time and your attention. And you should know that today the topic is going to be fairly specific to uh, HR issues in the United States at the federal level and in Massachusetts. So thank you. Hope you can learn something and apply it to your work wherever you are. All right. Uh, Sam, let's start with you. What is pay transparency? Why should we be caring about it? Yeah, that's a great question. So pay transparency, um, there's the mandated form of it, and then there's the kind of socially acceptable form of it. And I think I can handle the mandates, and Kyle's going to do a better job of you know what's happening <laughs> in a workforce. Okay. But generally, to me, tra- pay transparency is getting a sense of what your coworkers make and what your new position is going to look like if you are transferring to a new position. Okay, so that seems fairly straightforward. Kyle, why is why do we need to care about this in our workplaces? You know, it's really interesting. I think years ago, over the past several years, uh, what somebody makes was considered probably confidential. There were even employers who said you cannot share what you make with your coworkers. Um, and I don't think people typically would go up to somebody and ask them what they they made at work. Um, it's different now. I, I've actually heard there's a new. Uh, trend called wage reveal parties where people get together and they chat about what their their compensation is and um 
So I think that's a whole new area for people to uh, explore. And so where companies need to think about that is, would they be comfortable if their employees were sharing their compensation? Would they feel like they had an equitable system in place and uh, something that they could support if their employees asked them about it? A wage reveal party. Uh, I, I feel like we just need to take a moment and reflect. What is What would the cake look like at a wage reveal party? Exactly. Uh, all right. So I, I'll tell you, honestly, like you, I think you said it, Kyle, like the, the whole issue of sharing what you make. I, I don't, I mean, I, in my career, I don't remember this being an issue because it was sort of implicitly verboten to to ask what your peers made, to talk about what you make publicly. Um, but it does feel very much like a cultural issue in the organization and not so much a legislative issue. And so that brings us back to to Sam, what is going on legislatively that we need to be thinking about? Yeah, sure. So it, I think we can, we'll start nationally and kind of get, get smaller locally. Um, nationally, I think there's been a big change um, in what you're federal, what you're mandated to report. There's a, a form called the EE01, and it's a data collection form um, that the Trump administration you know, discontinued. You didn't have to report it anymore, but it, it's back under the Biden administration. I don't think most people know that they have to be mailing it in because they have reported that it's um, they're it's underreported, but you have to have a full breakdown sent to the federal government of your wage disparity by race and gender um, for a variety of um, roles in your company. It's a pretty intense, pretty detailed form, and um, the federal government uses it to track, you know, wage data and things like that, and you know, try and get a handle on the pay gap. But um, you know, I think employers. I know several employers who aren't aware of this obligation. And first and foremost, we want to make sure a members uh, know they've got to be sending that in annually. So that's at the federal level. Uh, how does that uh, drill down to New England, Massachusetts? What's going on so locally? Massachusetts does have wage transparency and and equal pay obligations that currently exist. And then we can talk about the ones that you know I think may exist sure. in the future. Um, so. Massachusetts, you um, you can you can't seek the salary of when you're if you're the hiring entity, you can't ask about salary, you can't ask about past tra uh, pay transparency. But if you are the employee, you are allowed to disclose yours to your coworkers without fear of retaliation, and um, that you know kind of ask around uh, in the office. Um, so that's you know those are the wage transparency issues as they currently exist. Employers, if they want to receive some, you know, shield from liability, uh, there's some things they can do um, to make sure, uh, you know, they can share some more information with the state and um, allow for kind of more transparency there um, if they want to avoid liability. So you're talking about liability. What are the consequences of like discovering that there are wage disparities if, if pay transparency becomes a cultural thing in your employees and uh, among your employees? Yeah, you're on the hook for twice the wages owed to the uh, to the employee, and uh, and if you can prove that it's you know you know often you know if you can prove that it's class wide or you know by a sub specific subset of employees, i.e. your your female managers are being paid less, um, you're on the hook for all of them and all of those wage uh, um, discrepancies times two plus attorney's fees. So, uh, you know, it can get pretty expensive pretty quick. I think, yeah, I think the, the legal term for that is non-trivial. <laughs> that is non-trivial liability. Okay. Uh, 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 so given those consequences, it is important then, it would seem uh, needed to be said, that uh, companies get their arms around 
pay transparency, both logistically, practically, legally, and culturally. Kyle, what are companies doing to get started with pay transparency as an initiative? Great question. I always recommend that companies have a pay structure in place. So there are a lot of companies that don't. They, over the years, they may have said, you know, Pete, what do you, what do you need to make to work here? I don't, you know, I don't think that's the best way to go because you're going to end up with rates all over the place. So really the best way to do it is to do some market analysis, see what's appropriate for that position, do an internal look to see what comparable positions are being paid in your company and come up with a pay range. Um, so what's good about that is that, you know, Pete, if you come apply for a position with me, I'm going to tell you probably pretty early on in the process, this position pays between fifty and $60,000. You can then make an assessment. Is that what you are expecting to make? Is that what you think is fair for this position? And if it's not and we're not matching up, we will know that early in the interview process and we won't, won't waste either one of our time. So that's what's helpful about it. And then once you move further along in that interview process, um, I'll decide where you fall within that range, probably based off of your experience, based off of some type of certification or other skills you might have, and make sure you're an appropriate place within that range. What's what's difficult about that is if I tell you you're going to make somewhere between fifty and sixty thousand, how much do you think you're going to make, Pete? Well, now I feel like that's a leading question. I think I'm probably not going to make that, <laughs> judging by the tone of your voice. I, I mean, most people hear the high end of the range, right? Yeah, people hear 50 to 60. Well, I, I should be getting then, an offer of 60. <laughs> yeah, you immediately told me that now I need to be focusing on my certifications because that's going to lock me at 60 plus. And then I'm ready to go for my next uh, promotion, right? Yeah. New class. Yeah. So, so that's where it gets a little bit tricky. So it's great to have a system in place, be really clear as an employer of what your range is so that you're, you're sure you have an equitable process. Yeah. But it's a lot of the communication as well so that you're not coming in disappointed when I offer you 52. I, 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 I want to put, I, I wanna put a, a pin in that particular point because we're going to come back to it. The, uh, but I'm really interested in uh, if you guys collectively or individually have guidance on industries or employers that have done this very well, that are already ahead of the curve of structuring the organizations in such a way that they they've already got a handle on pay transparency. Uh, I think one a member we like to highlight is State Street is a real leader on this. Um, they've been ahead of the curve um, and just, you know, they, they have a, some pretty specific structures in place and they are defining their roles better. You know, those that, you know, so those, so those salary vans are entirely more specific. I think they're taking a, a very serious audit on, you know, who they hire and what they pay to make sure they're reducing their, uh, their wage gap. And, you know, it's something... You know, I think we uh, we really want to highlight, you know, when our members are ahead of things and really doing the right thing. So I would point to State Street as someone who's kind of a national leader on this issue. Yeah, I mean, Google is one that has recently announced that they're going to be really transparent about their pay and they're going to post it and, and list it. Um, if you post a job now on Indeed, it asks you for the pay range for the position. And if you don't have a pay range that you enter in there, it will put uh, an estimated pay range in there for you. And that's not... Based on what? Like the market that yeah, Indeed already a, knows about? Mm-hmm, exactly. Similar positions that they've listed for other companies. And so that estimate that's put in there may or may not be reflective of what your company is going to pay. And so right. that might be an incentive for some companies to say, you know what, I, I should put something in there. So I'm attracting yeah. the right people. Let, let's not let machine learning determine our pay ranges for us. Exactly. Let's, let's go ahead and do that ourselves. Uh, by doing this, it seems 
really natural to be a huge benefit for HR, like in terms of just massive uh, clarity in what you're hiring for, but also a huge benefit for people seeking employment. Like you said, Kyle, that this whole idea of reducing confusion, not wasting time. Uh, What are some other benefits of of an, an initiative like this for the HR role? You know, I think it it makes the process actually a lot easier when you have almost like it's almost a formulaic approach when you're interviewing somebody, when you're doing performance increases, when you're doing promotions, anything like that, just to really have a a system in place so that you can explain to an employee when an employee comes to you and asks you, you know, why am I getting paid when I'm getting paid? Well, this is what our starting salary is. Our philosophy is that we compensate people based off of seniority based off of merit, based off of additional skills or degrees or whatever our philosophy is, um, it makes it a lot easier than than not having any response at all or saying we just kind of pulled a number out of thin air. So um, I've always recommended that that companies have a that system in place. And I think culturally, employees accept that. You know, if I come in for a position, I know Sam and I are doing the same job, I can feel pretty confident. I don't need to know exactly what Sam makes. But I can feel pretty confident that we're being fairly paid um, for the role that we're doing. That leads to our fictitious manufacturing organization. Fantastic organization. They've been doing very, very well. I don't know if you've keeping, been keeping tracks in season one. They're growing. And in fact, they're growing so much that they've been acquired. And here we have a pay transparency challenge. Uh, the challenge is thus. The acquiring company has decided we're going to offer uh, bonuses and a new hiring range for new employees, but we've decided we can't quite afford to offer the same salary benefit to existing and tenured employees. How does that run afoul of pay transparency regulation? Or does it? I, I feel like that's a presumptive question. So we've actually seen a bit of this in Massachusetts, where the, and other states have as well, where minimum wages have gone up over the last couple of years. And so what some companies have done is obviously they have to pay the new minimum wage. And so they've they've moved that minimum threshold up, but they haven't done anything for the people that were currently in the company. So someone a couple of years ago that was making $16 an hour when minimum wage was $13 an hour, they were sitting in a good position. They were $3 ahead of minimum wage. Well, now minimum wage is up to $14.25. Now that's a little bit of a closer gap. And it's going to be $15 an hour this coming January 1st. So now they're only making a dollar more than minimum wage if the company hasn't done something to keep up with that. So those are some of the other concerns. You know, people have done it um, where, with uh, hiring bonuses. And the new people will say, well, I've been here. I've been committed and staying, but I haven't received anything. And so it's a, it becomes part of a really overall pay philosophy of, um, you know, what, again, I'll go back to the word system. Are the you know what system do you have in place, and how are you going to continue that to be equitable? So, so it's transparent. Everybody knows that uh, what your process is. Sam, is this the sort of thing that we might see uh, ultimately legislated? Yeah, there's a few options on the table. I think that um, what Kyle described is on the kind of lighter end of employer burdens. So there's kind of three proposals out there. I can present these in order from least onerous to most owners. The first thing out there is just a very simple, um, the, uh, the the salary band for a position. Um, it's it's available for applicants and it's available for current um, current employees, you know, upon request. You, you have to, they can ask without fear of retaliation, you have to tell them what the salary range is for each position. 
So, you know, that, that in theory will help negotiating. Uh, you know, if you are, you know, uh, Kyle's fictitious person that's been there for a while and you find yourself at the low end of the band, you'll see, um, you know, you'll see those people asking for raises. Uh, and, you know, I, I imagine the new applicants themselves will probably ask for the higher end of the pay band as well. So that's, that's kind of step one. Step two is the, um, the kind of EEO one report I mentioned, where it's a full breakdown of your company's demographics by, you know, I think there's about 15 different categories of workers and it's um, by every sort of um, race classification, gender classification. And that, and that report, while you file it with the federal government, this would be on a state website that anyone could look up. So uh, it'd be posted online. And if you want to look up any company and you can break it down by any sort of wage disparity, um, you know, whether you, you know, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, women of color at your company or have a worse ratio, uh, pale ratio to white men, or, you know, you can, you can basically design it however you'd like um, to pull all the information and kind of show uh, the kind of wage disparity that are at your company. Um, so that's something, you know, kind of on the more extreme end and on the even more extreme end, um, I, you know, I, this one I've just heard floated to me, but, uh, you know, it's something people should prepare for. It would look, it would look something like when I worked at the state in which they all salaries are public. Um, you know, when I was a state employee, you could, uh, look, I, it wasn't much, but you could look up my set, you know, you could type me into a search database and find out exactly how little I was making at the time. Um, <laughs> but that's, you know, and that, that's kind of the third option of, you know, full extreme transparency, you know, putting it's, it's akin to putting corporate tax returns online. So um, there's, there'll be some privacy issues there, but it's, it is out there. And that's kind of the most radical end of the spectrum. It seems like we're, I mean, so many of the specifics we're not yet quite able to talk about, because it sounds like everything is very much in flux. And you're waiting on a lot of news, it sounds like. Is there, is there, what is the next sort of, uh, uh, the next step? Are you waiting for some specific decision to come down or some legislation to be proposed? That's a great question. So there's legislation out there and AIM, myself and Brooke Thompson, um, our executive vice president of government affairs, we're, we're going to be at the table with legislators, with advocates, and uh, we're going to try to work out a deal mm-hmm. on wage transparency for our members. Um, you know, there, like I said, there's some pretty extreme proposals out there, and we're going to we're going to fight to get a great deal for our members. Sam, it sounds like what you're saying is we're going to need to have another conversation uh, in the future. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, like that I would proposed a part two already and you didn't even know oh certainly i would uh you know with a you know with a you know changing of the guard uh, of our next governor you know i i think though this is not an issue that's going away anytime soon and i i feel pretty confident next spring there there'll be likely some a lot more proposals out there and some some we may like some we may not like so much Kyle, what do we do right now? Someone in the office approaches you about what their coworkers are making. This is the cultural tide shifting. What do you do as an HR professional to address this now with so much uncertain in terms of, you know, legislation around this issue? Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you have one of those systems in place, if you have pay ranges and you have uh confidence in the way that you've put them together, I think it's okay to go ahead and share those ranges with your employees and, and let them know where they're at. Um, you know, if an employee thinks that they're not being paid highly enough, be ready to explain to them, you know, where did their salary come up? And, and if they want to move up further, what would they need to do to get there? So be ready to have that kind of on, honest conversation. Um, if you don't have a, a pay scale, again, I think in, um, being able to assure somebody that they are being paid fairly in the organization that you've really been thoughtful about your process 
I think, um, is at least a start. It, it may not be as helpful because they don't have kind of that concrete numbers to take a look at to know that, that that's true. Um, but one thing you certainly cannot do is you cannot prohibit employees from talking about their pay. So if you hear that's people- over. That, yeah, right. that was 2018 okay. pay equity in Massachusetts and many other states. Um, you cannot prohibit employees from talking about their compensation. So if you hear people having those wage reveal, reveal parties, you hear them at the lunch table, um, that's- Send a cake. Send a cake, be part of it. <laughs> be ready to, to explain otherwise. But yes, don't prohibit that discussion. This is, uh, I, I've learned a lot, I have to tell you. I, I did not know there was so much at play right now with pay transparency. Kyle Pardo, Sam Larson, thank you so much for, uh, for illuminating this issue for us on the show today. Excellent. Thank you, Pete. Thank you, Pete. And thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening. We sure appreciate your time and your attention. On behalf of Kyle Pardo and Sam Larson, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch you back here next week on Human Solutions.